0: the brave ones are the ones who are willing to look deep at themselves at the parts that they don't want to look at which I'm willing to do that at certain points too of course and then there's points where I'm like maybe tomorrow you know (laughs) which we all have to respect that part too compassion for self is huge and I think anyone who's listening you know sometimes when we can be in a place where we're kind of like chasing the wound but I often feel when I'm in session I feel like the people I'm reading for they are the brave ones (laughs)
1: You are listening to the Every Day is a Breakthrough podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Hummel. I'm here to invite you into living your most alive and aligned life possible. On this podcast, I'll be holding the mirror for your deepest truths and desires and giving you the permission and the power to not only follow your dreams, but to walk with firm trust in all of who you are and everything that you do. So if you're somebody who's here to live out your life's purpose and you're the kind of person who gets after it no matter what, this show is for you and I hope that you get the absolute most out of listening. Hello and welcome back to the Everyday is a Breakthrough podcast. I'm so excited that you're here listening and I'm So, beyond grateful and looking forward to today's episode. I have Raquel Cohen on here, who is a spiritual guide, intuitive medium, nature connector, and just an incredible human who I had the pleasure of meeting this year. And I'm so excited to have you on and to see where this episode goes today. So, welcome.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Jaden. It's truly a pleasure and an honor to be here. And I'm so excited for our conversation, too.
1: Me too. We got on the Zoom and I just like lit up and felt the energy. So it's so fun to be here with you. And I always just love to start. Well, first of all, we're both in, you're in San Diego, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're both tuning in from the San Diego area and we met A few months ago, actually, you were hosting a full moon circle in connection with Locally Well, which Locally Well, Marta has been on the podcast before. So there was actually an event at your house and you hosted a full moon circle, which was actually my second one of the day. I was on like a full moon, a full moon adventure. And I just remember, I mean... I, I've been to like a lot of full moon circles and you hear people talk about the moon and it's all resonance, right? It's like, we resonate with different people. And I, and that, you know, when you walk into a full moon circle and you don't know who's leading it, you're, you're kind of like, just hope for the best, right? You're like, I hope that this is like, we'll see where this goes. And I remember sitting down and it was just like, wow, like you're amazing. And it wasn't, you'd, it, was, I, it wasn't it was like a super long thing. And I just remember being like, I wish you would just keep talking because everything you're saying is so beautiful and grounded. And I just immediately knew that we were going to be connected.
0: Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for sharing that. My heart is like, oh, (laughs) thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, that was not at my house because I'm actually up in North County, but it was at someone I think. So I co-hosted that moon circle with Brie from Locally Well, no, Marta from Locally Well and Brie from the beverage botanist. And I think it was Breeze friend's house but it was lovely um,
1: I've been imagining you there at that house like this whole time so glad we put <laughs> <cleared> that up
0: <laughs> no I'm closer to you I'm up here in North County I'm in San Marcos what
1: okay yeah, we're both yeah. in North County San Diego that's amazing <laughs> I love that Yeah, it's so funny. So you did the full moon circle. And then there was a raffle because it was kind of like a networking Mm -hmm. event, like collaboration thing. And I actually was felt really connected to you. And that one of the raffles was winning a 30 minute session. And I I think I looked at my friend, Lindsay, and I was like, they're gonna pick my name. And they were like, Jaden. And I just knew. And I was like, awesome. And I was so happy because I I had connected with you in the full moon circle and and then I wanted to call. So it's been like a really beautiful beginning.
0: Yeah. And also how intuitive you are that you called, you felt it, you knew you were going to get picked and bam, happened.
1: Yeah, it was (laughs) so good. And I, you know, there's so like, there's so much that we can talk about on here and like to learn from you. And I just kind of want to start because we did our session together and I had no idea again, like I had no idea. I was like, I have no idea what I'm walking into. I like seriously had no idea. And it ended up being, you know, this medium session and you were calling in, you know, people who are around me. And I remember you said this thing that has stuck with me. And I I wanted to just, you know, share it on here is that you said to me in our session that I have this self, I might be butchering your own words that I took, but, but I have this self-love that's like detached from ego. And you were saying like, I don't really see that with people that often. And then this other part where I have this natural trust of the universe. And like, I know that I have self-trust or self-love or whatever, but it didn't really occur to me that it was a, a gift until you told me that. And I went to, I was driving, I think I was going to the dentist and I was calling my, I was on the phone with my dad relaying some information that you also gave me on the the session. And I was telling him that you said that to me. And it occurred to me after our call that I've never, ever in my life, like been hard on myself. Like I've never said like, you should have studied harder or like, oh, you didn't do a good enough job. And you know, we live in this world where people like I work in personal development, everyone's hard on themselves all the time. So I know it's a thing. And it never occurred to me that Uh that voice has never lived in my head ever. And it's been really freaking interesting to notice after our session.
0: Oh, my goodness. Like, can you figure out how to bottle that up and sell it to people? Because the world needs that medicine, Jaden. The self-criticism part, like, that is so much of what I work on, both on my own journey of self-healing and self-development. But what I see so much with my clients and just people in general is that inner voice that's kind of self-loathing, honestly. So what a gift. What a gift.
1: Yeah, it was like And I'm sure that's
0: probably what you help your clients with. Like with you not having that voice that's constantly berating you, you can really help your clients feel into a new, a new inner dialogue.
1: Yeah, totally. Wow. And you know, it's interesting because I remember when we were talking about the self-love, you were like, I hope you're teaching this to women. And I've been thinking about that and It's like not something when you're natural, when you naturally have something, it's hard to understand. I think it's just in the, in the background and it's just been really cool to notice that. And I just wanted to thank you for giving me that awareness of it because it's been really special to, to just see.
0: No, my pleasure. And thank you for reminding me of the session because one of the things I find as an intuitive medium is it's hard for me to remember exactly what comes through in sessions for people. And I think that's good, actually, because it's not for me. It was never for me. It was always for you. So, you know, I always, either people are taking notes. So I'm like, maybe we should record this because I know a lot come, even in a 30-minute session, like so much came out. And when you're in a place of just trying to take it all in, It can be hard to really kind of digest it as you're also receiving it. So I'm always telling people either take notes or let's record this because you're going to want to come back to this at another time um, and re-listen to it because there's just so much that comes in. And again, I won't remember. Like I won't remember afterwards exactly what was said or exactly who came through. And that's a good thing. Yeah. I like I'm, it that way. <laughs>
1: I'm sure that would be a lot of knowledge you probably don't need. Like, oh, like all those that's so beautiful. And obviously, clearly, I mean, I just know even from my 30 minute and who I've, you know, seen you interacting with around me, like since that time, but clearly such a gift that you offer to people. And, you know, when I think about the work that you do, to me, it's just so brave to be, standing for someone in holding that kind of space. And I would just love to hear from you what your relationship has been with starting. I don't know if we fully explained it. If you want to kind of tell people a little bit about what it is that you do and how did you really get into doing this work? Because it is, you know, it's one thing to say like, Hey, I have a business and I'll wash your windows or like, I'll serve you a juice, but to really stand for doing this work. That's it's so brave, so I want to hear that. Yeah,
0: yeah. I can make you a juice, or I can take you deep into your darkest shadows and help you find the light and come back out. Like, that's exactly. what we do.
1: I'm like, I'll take that.
0: <laughs> I don't have what she's having. <laughs> it's really interesting, because honestly, for me, It's truly my relationship with nature and the natural world that has always been kind of my motivation, my catalyst, my inspiration. I was raised in a pretty religious home. My family is modern Orthodox Jews, pretty religious. I went to all, you know, religious schools. I mean, preschool all the way up. It was very much a part of my identity, but I didn't feel... The divine in religious places. I didn't feel it in religious learnings. I didn't feel it in religious texts or prayers. For me, I always felt the divine just with nature: climbing trees, being outdoors, looking at animals, making worm houses from mud. You know, like I felt God in nature, and. With my background, I always went to nature to kind of find solitude, to find that connection to the divine, to also feel a sense of freedom and self-control because I was living in an environment where I didn't have a lot of choice in terms of the lifestyle I was living, you know, until I was 18 and left the home, like I had to live the way my family lived. And listen, there was a lot of love, a lot of love, still a lot of love for my family and community, but it was just a lot of dogma that just didn't suit me didn't fit me so when I went to college I studied ecology and sociology and for me ecology was like that's my religion everything's interconnected everything is symbiotic we're here in harmony we're all one people one earth like that to me made sense like I am just a I see interconnection everywhere for me the idea of like all life is interconnected, all people are people like that's such a big t truth for me that it was Mm -hmm. always really hard being raised in an environment where it was very much like the like our people, our people, our people. I'm like, well, but all the painful, you know? But yeah. I understand like the world is still dealing with that right now. But for me, this idea of like we're all connected, we're all one, is just something that has been so true ever like like I, for me, it's a truth, like my hair color is red. Like I just, it's just something I've known so innately my whole life. So anyway, I went into ecology. Uh-huh. I was really into education, but I knew I didn't wanna go into like traditional education. So I started working at places like zoos and aquariums, teaching, writing curriculum. I spent a few years as a wild animal trainer.
1: I oh my God, you're just getting
0: cooler and cooler <laughs> by the minute. Yeah, I moved to Hawaii after my undergraduate with some friends and I got a job at this place called Sea Life Park Hawaii and I was working in education there, but I was also interning at a marine mammal facility that was studying marine mammal cognition and language and how they understand things. So I was training dolphins and writing curriculum and I created a program when I was there for special kids who had like special needs, especially within the kind of autism spectrum. So mm-hmm. an after-school program for kids in the spectrum to come and learn and also be able to interact with the animals while they were there. So for me, I was always about how can we use our relationship with nature and with animals, with other species, to find more healing, more wellness, more enjoyment, more magic in life. So I spent about 10 years working in zoos, aquariums, and environmental education I always felt this kind of magic with nature, but I wasn't working in that realm. For me, it was really about teaching people about habitats, about ecosystem services, about endangered species, about humans' needs for the environment, you know, just the fact that we're all interconnected. But I also was dealing with some eco-anxiety or eco-phobia in, what year was it? I think 2006, 2007, when I moved back. Here to California, I went and got my master's degree in marine biodiversity and conservation from the Scripps Institute of Oceanography in La Jolla, and mm-hmm. that was a really intense program—a one-year deep dive master's program into basically how can I curse on this podcast? Yes, that- oh yeah, please. oh yeah, like how we're fucking up the oceans and just like fucking up the planet, right? And. Unfortunately, the teachers at that time were very much into the kind of like doom and gloom approach. Like we needed everyone to know how terrible things are, like how really awful things are, because that's going to inspire change. Eh, Not really sure that inspires change. I know what it did for me, which literally like I just dove into deep, deep anxiety and depression the first few months I was in this program. Like, it was the first time I actually had to get onto sleeping medication, anti-anxiety medication, because my anxiety got so bad, like, I couldn't sleep, I lost, like, 20 pounds, I couldn't eat, like, it was it was my first real experience with, like, anxiety kind of taking over. My family has (laughs) some anxiety running through both sides of my family. So I've always experienced like aspects of it, but to the point of it, like literally taking over where I couldn't sleep, couldn't eat, couldn't stop thinking about the things that were bothering me. Right. So that was really my first like bout with that Found a therapist, got on some anti-anxiety meds, got through my program, got hired at the Monterey Bay Aquarium, which was like one of my favorite places ever. Moved up to Monterey, was working. I was still taking my anti-anxiety meds, kind of weaned off the sleep thing, like thing medication at that point. And working at a place like Monterey Bay Aquarium helped alleviate some of the ego anxiety because as an institution, it just is so forward-moving and progressive and, like, really trying to be a part of the solution. They also, at the aquarium there, were very anti-doom and gloom and were really trying to inspire more change from connection and action. But it was still, I mean, it was, like, the late twenty. early it was like 2008 2009 early 2010 so there was still a lot of focus on like individual action like it's all on us as the each individual us as the consumer to like save the world which can lead also to a lot of anxiety shame blame guilt all that kind of stuff but it was focused on we can do stuff we we have solutions and that was really helpful move back down here to San Diego in 2011 I was pregnant with our first daughter and I knew I wanted to take a little break break wonderful first pregnancy I had that great time with the baby you know like that wonderful time to just be with her I quickly got pregnant with the second daughter. Home for a while, taking care of kids. I was doing some environmental education writing on the side, like writing some curriculum here and there for different organizations, but really at home with the kids. And when my second daughter was about 10 months old, my anxiety came back really, really bad, like worse than before. I'm sure there was hormones, postpartum stuff in that, but it was just, it was bad. I, Every night when everyone else in my house was sleeping, I would literally be laying in my bed, like paralyzed while having anxiety attacks, like I couldn't sleep. And it was going on for weeks and I would get like maybe two hours. So every night, as I was getting the kids to bed, I would start getting more and more anxious as I knew I would just lay in bed, not being able to sleep and I was terrified about the future that we were creating for our kids, it was just like so much fear. And yet I had this shame and guilt because I was like, my life is good. Like everyone's healthy. My kids are wonderful. We just moved into this house. We had a good, like everything was good. And yet I was like, why can't I feel it? Like, why can't I touch the goodness, the wellness, the wholeness, the love? Like, why am I feeling so petrified, literally like petrified and anxious and horrible and you know with ang- with insomnia it just makes everything worse so like the anxiety with the insomnia was really turning into like i'm a waste of space like i'm um, depression like there's no point in me living like this thankfully i got back into therapy they put me back on anti anxiety meds some sleep aid at that point but the therapist i found was also a pranic healer on the side so she was open to energy and she was like you are so creatively blocked right now. She really saw it in my sacral, my second chakra and my third eye chakra, the sixth chakra, that's Mm -hmm. like you're creatively blocked and it's creating so much overthinking, overanalyzing. So she kind of got me interested in the chakra system, learning a little bit more, but what she really exposed me to was this book called The Artist's Way by Julie Cameron. Ah, yeah, you know it. (laughs) I haven't read it, but it's like (laughs) one of those books. that It's like living,
1: you know. Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) And and it's one of those books that you will find that you will go back to it at different points in your life. It is an awakening book. It is literally a spiritual awakening book. And it's really a book about breaking through creative blocks. Mm -hmm. Writer's block is what it was written about, but it's truly any creative block. And for me, it was like my first taste of kind of like, the spiritual self-development world and just reading the book opened so much within me. And one of the first things she suggests in that book is to start off with morning pages. So every morning before you kind of get your day going, you just journal for three pages and it doesn't have to be anything profound. Like literally what you're doing is like a brain dump, you know? Mm -hmm. So the first few weeks you do it, it might literally just be that, where you're just getting all of that, like, blah, 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 stuff in your head, out of your head by putting it on the paper. But the more you do it, the more you find that, like, when you start getting that brain dump out, all of a sudden, wisdom starts pouring mm-hmm. out of you, right? Like, you kind mm-hmm. of tap in something deeper. And after a few months of doing morning pages, I found that I got really inspired to, like, do something creative. And I was, I've always been so enamored with succulents, Ever since I moved to California, I was like, what are these adorable plants in all shapes and sizes? And what do you mean you can clip them and then you could stick them back in the ground and they'll grow? Like, I was just like, these are amazing. So when we got married in 2010, all of our florals were succulents. And I still have some of those like planted in my backyard now, Mm -hmm. like 14 years later, you know, they're just incredible. So I got really inspired to clip some succulents from the backyard and I found like, glass dishes old vases things like that at thrift stores and while my kids were napping in the afternoon I would start making these like terrariums these little terrariums with clip succulents with cool twigs I'd find on walks stones or crystals you know like I'm a witchy person so I'm always collecting I'm like that's a good stick that's a good rock you know what I mean like (laughs) I'll use it at some point I like it it's calling to me so I would start making these little terrariums, these little mini habitats, and like my brain just went completely quiet. It was the only thing I could do that when I was actively making the art, I was in my in my body, in my mind, was like, la, 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 la. Like I was like, I'm at peace, you know, yeah. which if anyone has ever experienced anxiety, that's the whole thing is you can't stop the brain. You can't stop that voice of worry and doubt and just constant monkey mind. Mm -hmm. And so making this art was just so therapeutic. It was better than the medicine. It was better than talk therapy. It was better than anything I was doing. And so obviously I started making a lot of art (laughs) because it was amazing and it made me feel so good. And then I started gifting it to my friends and neighbors and then they would ask if they were going to like a wedding or can you make this for me? And that's how my business first started actually. Mm -hmm. I called it Infinite Succulent and it was a succulent art, succulent craft business. And because I have a background in teaching, one of my friends was like, oh, you should really teach workshops, helping other people to make art and get into the creative spaces. And so the first few years, I started my business in 2016. So from 2016 to about 2019, right until we hit the pandemic, that's really what I was doing. Was mm-hmm. I was leading people through workshops on making succulent arrangements, terrariums, succulent crown pumpkins, wreaths, all kinds of fun stuff. And really talking about how creativity and giving us time to be creative with nature has such a beautiful impact on our mental health and on our wellness in general. And the more I was playing with the plants, the more I got really intrigued and curious about why do I feel so much better playing with the plants? Like I've been around plants my whole life. And yet for a long time, I was way more excited by like the cute animals. The plants were always like the backgrounds, you know, Mm. they were like either Mm. the food or the habitat, but they weren't as alive to me. They weren't as sentient to me as the animals were.
1: Mm. And then
0: something about, you know, being a mother. Getting a little quieter, the plants' sentience came to me really strongly at this time when I really needed it, and so I got super curious. I started doing a lot of research into what kind of impacts are plants having on the human body, on the human mind, on the human emotions. So, like, really, the nervous system. How are plants impacting the human nervous system? I also had found some crystals at a thrift store. I used to. I still love going to thrift stores. It's like treasure hunting. It's the best. But I used to go to find specifically cool things to plant succulents into because one of the things that's awesome about succulents is you can plant them into anything. Mm-hmm. So I found these cool crystals that had like holes drilled in them. And I was like, oh, I'm so planting a succulent in that, right? And I took them home and I started planting and I was like, what is happening in my hands? So like, I could feel like vibration and like my yeah. I was just like, whoa, like my sensitivity to energy was increasing. Now I've always been kind of sensitive to energy. Like I've always been able to feel people's auras. I've always been able to kind of play with energy a little bit, but never trained. And so all of a sudden working with the plants and stones together, I was like feeling pulsation through my hands. I could tell when a plant needed water. I could tell when it had enough. Like I was just like, I don't know how I know what I know, but like I know it, right? Like stuff was happening. So I studied, one of my friends was a a crystal healer and she's like, I'm doing a certification class. You should come and take it. So I went and took that class. And then when I was practicing on people, I would notice that I would see things, hear things, know things during session. And I would just express it. And I didn't, I mean, I trusted what was happening, but I was also like, I don't really know what's happening. So then in 2020, when the world kind of shut down, one of my mentors was offering a ton of online courses and I started taking them. And the online courses were just what I needed to really start to understand my connection with my intuition, how it's communicating with me, and actually that I'm a medium, which I did not know. I didn't know I was a medium at all until I started taking these courses and actually learned, here's how we practice, here's what it feels like. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm actually a medium and it comes pretty easily to me and I love it. Meanwhile, as I'm doing all of this, I was also working on getting my second book published. So while I was doing Infinite Succulent and having fun with plants and sharing art and creating an Instagram around that, I literally had an email come in one day that was like, I'm an editor from a book publishing house in New York. And we want a succulent craft book. And I love your Instagram. Do you want to write this book? Wow! And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and this was back in like 2018. So my first book, Infinite Succulent, is uh-huh. a craft book on making art with succulents. And then as I finished this book, I was really getting into how are plants impacting the nervous system. So I wanted to write a book all about how living and being with plants, opening up to plants, really interacting with them benefits us physically, emotionally, and mentally. And my first publishing house at first was like, okay, we're really into this. But then once it came around time, they're like, no, we're not going to do it. So I kind of got denied. And I had a whole like year and a half of trying to find a different publishing house to publish the book, which was a whole magical thing in itself, how it came about. But I did find a publishing house that wanted me to focus on how living with plants enhances our spiritual connection and Mm -hmm. how we can really bring in the magic of plants into our life by understanding them more. And that's how my second book came around, Everyday Plant Magic. This book came out in 2022. And what was so cool about this is even though I had a lot of rejection to get this book created, it was like I needed that rejection to connect with my own gifts so I could be the person who could write this book. Because one of the things I did in this book, in this book, I share a lot about working with the magic of nature from the moon to the sun to the elements and the seasons and crystals. But the real heart of the book is 45 magical plant profiles where I profile like a bunch of different plants from herbs to houseplants to trees. I share about how you can position them in your home, how you can work with them, crystals you can pair with them. But I also sat in meditation with each plant and asked the plant to share what is a wisdom that you want the collective to know right now. So I really bring forward, like, the personality of the plant and what they want us to know. And I never would have been able to done that have done that if I didn't have the rejection that then had me digging deeper into myself, finding out more about myself. So that's how this book came around. There is so much. <laughs> integrity like as you're
1: talking I'm like the the magic of how it all unfolded and just the amount of integrity you're like I worked with animals for 10 years and then it was plants and then it totally yeah. came to this and then that it's just there's no break in the integrity or the magic of your story like there's not one part that
0: <laughs> yeah I just keep following where my heart's like now here now here and so even now I still work with plants. I'm not doing as much as I did. Like I'm not doing plant workshops anymore. I'm not really doing as much plant styling. I use plants in my healing sessions. And I often, if plants want to come in for someone, like I suggest this plant for your home, you know, that in that kind of way. But what I do now is a lot more. In the realm of spiritual coaching intuitive coaching intuitive and mediumship reads, energy sessions i'm certified in level one two and master level reiki so mm. i my energy sessions I, I call them energy transformation sessions because while i am reiki certified my sessions are not strictly reiki um, i use crystals in a lot of my sessions i'll often use clip succulents in my sessions and my sessions are extremely intuitive i'm often as i'm moving energy and working energy there's often ancestors spirit guides right. interdimensional <laughs> beings that literally come down and then i just start narrating okay now he's standing over you and doing this right like and so yes there's yes, reiki I but remember it's... that from our session. yes yeah. yes it's, it's, it's so
1: funny cuz i you know at the beginning i was like it's so brave that you do this work but when you're talking about it like it it doesn't feel not that it doesn't feel brave but it's when i hear it from you it just feels like oh no this is just this is just what it is like do yeah.
0: you feel like I mean, it just seems so,
1: like... I honestly feel
0: like my clients are the brave ones, Mm. my patients, you know, like the brave ones are the ones who are willing to look deep at themselves at the parts that they don't want to look at, which... I'm willing to do that at certain points too of course and then there's points where i'm like maybe tomorrow you know (laughs) which we all have to respect that part too compassion for self is huge and i think anyone who's listening you know sometimes when we can be in a place where we're kind of like chasing the wound that can actually become kind of addictive a pattern of like something else to clear something else to clear Mm -hmm. and what we need in that moment is actually more acceptance just acceptance of what is and compassion for self. Right. So, but I often feel when I'm in session, I feel like the people I'm reading for, they're the brave ones. They're the ones who are ready to have their eyes cleared and see, you know? Yeah.
1: The, the fact that you have that perspective just shows how much integrity and how like honest and grounded your work is to be like, no, this is what it is. And anyone who's showing up that's brave for you. And it reminds me of one of my favorite things, my energy doctor, who I see, he like sat on stage with Abraham Hicks one time. And he was like, my client, I forget the story. He's like, my client has all these like problems. Like, why can't I, why can't I help them? Or why aren't they getting better or whatever it was? And Abraham was like, why are you looking at your clients as anything but perfection in the eyes of God? And I just got that from you. It's like, no, this is just the work. And this is just what it is. And you're, if you want to come and experience it, like you're just honoring and holding that. So, yeah, echoing the integrity there. And it's also such a beautiful lesson. I don't know whether it would be something that just to practice, like for anyone who's listening to this, no matter what you're doing, even it doesn't have to be in spiritual work, but anything you're offering people, like that's such a good nugget to remember of like, yeah, this is just me and this is what I have to share. and. Everyone else is like their sovereign, like human who gets to come to it and experience it if they want to. And and that takes, you know, I say that because, you know, I hear so much the pressure on the other end of the person like offering their services or holding the space I yeah. just to shift it into the way you just described it is gold.
0: Oh, well, I hearing you say it like that is also gold because, you know, being in this space. I still often sometimes struggle about like sharing what I do or how it's being received. Like, right. I don't know when this is going to air, but right now as we're speaking, I have doors open to my group coaching program, which is called intuitive magic. It's a 10 session live interactive, immersive group coaching program, all about connecting with your intuitive gifts, understanding your spiritual connection and really giving you a good foundation of kind of going into your own intuitive connection, your own intuitive gifts. And right now I have five. I take 10 people for the program. Right now I have five, but as of last week I had like one person signed up. And I was like, oh and you know how it is when you're like we all know that feeling. (laughs) And they were like, okay, I'm not, I'm, I'm really, I'm not trying to hustle here. I'm not trying to force or control, but I have to share. One
1: person is enough. (laughs) Yeah. Even if no no one, it's fine.
0: (laughs) But like, and also recognizing, you know, last week when I was feeling this way and sharing, you know, I, I work, with, I'm not an astrologer at all. I work mainly with the energies of the moon, but I follow astrology. I love learning about it. And last and yet you're high- like my favorite person who's ever described some like astrology
1: things. <laughs> I just love that for you. You're like, I'm not an astrologer. I'm like, great. No,
0: I'm a moon (laughs) messenger. And of course, being a moon messenger, it brings in some of the astrology, but I would never call because astrology is like, it's a language all in itself and people study for years. And so I am a aficionado, but not an astrologer.
1: Love that. I love your integrity. You're like, let me just spew integrity like any (laughs) time I can, please.
0: (laughs) I realize at this point in my life, like I... I'm not good at anything that requires me to be inauthentic. Like, I just can't anymore. I just don't have it in me. It's just not there, which sometimes I have to be careful of because my as my husband sp- says, like, sometimes I wear my whole heart, like, right here. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes you just have to be, like, poker face, right? Like, <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. it's so interesting. Like, I, one thing that I've really been getting, actually, I had the conversation with Marta on our Locally Well podcast a few episodes back, and we were talking about just be good at you know, be good at what you're good at and let other people do the other stuff, like just stay in your lane. And, you know, I just got back from a mastermind retreat with a bunch of like friends and peers who are so talented and smart. And I've just been, I've been holding that so much of kind of what you just said of like, I'm just going to do what feels good for me. And there's other people who are maybe know more about astrology or this or that. And like, I recently had somebody who I work with who they were going through something and I was like, I'm going to call Raquel because this is not the place that I'm like, yeah, I could probably help or I could do some stuff or like, I know things like we all know so much, but being able to really stay in the, in your lane and let other people do what they want to do is, yeah, with that authentic piece, like there's so much space for that in the world. And it feels so much better and creates so much more like clarity and magic. So I also yeah. love the in that piece.
0: I love what you just shared there too, because I really feel like that's kind of where we're going, especially in the more like entrepreneurial spaces or hopefully even in like leadership spaces around the world, which is a much more collaborative experience, a much more, much less of this like, Zero sum game that I feel like we've kind of been living in for so long, where like there has to be a winner, which means there's always going to be a loser and like this constant competition. And, you know, one of the things I love, uh, I have a book coming out in April, which is a book all about self care practice, nature based self care practice.
1: How do you, how are you writing all these books? How do
0: you have any time in the day? <laughs> Like, what do you do? I write late at night. I write like really how many late hours, at
1: night. I have 24 hours in my day. I'm like, how many hours are in your day?
0: <laughs> 24 hours too. I don't sleep that much. And I probably should sleep more, but I like to write late at night when everyone's sleeping. That's my writing time. I typically, my favorite time to write is like nine to midnight. <laughs> I love that. I'm crazy like that, but that's one. that's like my writing time for the most part. But the book that I have coming out in April is called Self-Care for Eco-Anxiety. And it's, 52 God. nature-based mm-hmm. practices to, like, just deal with the feelings of anxiety, fear, anger, apathy, all the things that come up when we think about climate change and just environmental destruction, right? And mm-hmm. one of the things I talk about in the book, one of the self-care practices I share has to do with connecting in with the mother tree. Have you heard of the mother tree? The concept of the mother tree? Mm-hmm. <gasps> oh, I get so <laughs> excited when I get to introduce people to this concept. Okay, so...
1: I also want to say too, because I keep thinking about it, I actually went to college initially for environmental engineering and didn't do it because I, I, I think one of my favorite things I've ever done was learn about that. But I knew I was like, if I become an environmental engineer, I'm going to be so angry at the world. And that's not, that's not what I want to do. So I, as you've been sharing about your little piece, I just wanted to say that because I just have a lot of resonance.
0: That. Well, and that goes back to you having this really deep connection with yourself and this like place of self-love, this like like real baseline you come in with, which is like, I love myself, I know myself, mm-hmm. that you had the foresight to know that. I think, you know, for me, I care so much about nature and the environment. I feel such truth and in interconnection and ecology and I mean, really, truly, like kind of indigenous practices. Of, right, it's like different than what the system is. Now. Yeah, or just yeah. like the sentience of the land, the spirits of the land, communing with God through nature. Like that's always been what has resonated for me. Anyway, your book. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so it in the book, the way I share, like the book is not so much a book that's gonna tell us here's how we solve the climate change and here's how we solve all of this environmental issues. Although some of what I share in the book does offer suggestions and it's not a book about reducing your carbon footprint. Although some of what I offer, you will be doing that. The book is really about how can we come back to a place, a relationship of love, interconnection and reciprocity with earth and knowing that that relationship we have with earth is a mirror of the relationship we have with ourself, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's really about First and foremost, we're connecting with nature again. We're creating with nature because we're here to be co-creators. And then we give back from this place of connection and co-creativity. Then we can come into a place of having like reciprocity, giving back. So that's how I have the books sectioned off. Like 18 self-care practices are about connection. 18 are about creativity and 18 are about giving back, but in ways that also give to you.
1: God, I Love that so much. Oh
0: yeah. You can, I have my advanced copy right here.
1: I have to say too, as you're sharing about that, I have this friend, she does really similar kind of work to me. Very similar. And she was like, she's been a big expander for me. Cause she was like, Oh yeah, I'll, I'd love to share about your work with my people. And my first thought was like, why would you do that? Like, why would you do that? Because like, you know, and then I immediately was like, why not like because there's and more than enough to go around and it's totally fine and like no one's the same and it was just such a big moment for me because my first thought was like why would you do that and I was like oh yeah. Yeah, yeah because like we're not there's there's not competition there's abundance it why why not so I'm soaking in with time too yes
0: yes I love that. And it takes me right back to this idea of the mother tree. So until like the last, maybe like 10, 20 years, forest ecologists believed that forests were places of competition, right? Like the trees had to compete with each other. They had to grow faster to get to the sunlight and they're competing for resources. But this forest ecologist from Canada. Her name is Dr. Susan Samard, And I'm sure she's not the only forest ecologist who found this. I'm sure there's more, but I read her book called Finding the Mother Tree. She was actually working as a biologist for the forestry industry, cutting things down. And they were wondering how come when they were replanting these specific trees that they want to cut for timber, why they're not growing so fast. So she got really curious about what's going on within the root system because obviously the root system was going to support a tree's growth or not. And what she found through decades of research is that forests are not, I mean, yes, there's gonna be some competition, but more than there's competition, it's community and collaboration. Mm -hmm. And that trees and plants interact, communicate, and support each other through interconnected roots through the mycelium network, which is um, a web of woven mycorrhizal fungi and microbes that kind of create like a lace-like structure in between the roots of different plants. And the fungi and bacteria, they receive energy that the plants create through photosynthesis, but then they also help kind of bring that energy from one plant to the other. So they kind of get sugars from the plant, but then they help transport other nutrients between the root system. They can even transport waters. So anyway, going back to the mother tree, what Susan found was that in the heart of the forest was typically one larger, older tree who was kind of like a central hub for these interconnected communities through the root system. And these were called the mother trees and the mother trees were the ones who were sending out most resources through their root system to other trees and other plants. They could send chemical signals to let them know if there was any disease or pests that were coming. If in certain years, like if there's not enough water, they can transport water. And what they found, what Susan found, or Dr. Samard found, was that the mother trees can actually identify through their root system which of the trees are her own progeny. And in like a bad year, she could choose to really divert her resources specifically to her own descendants. But most of the time, mother trees are literally sending energy, resources, communication to lots of different species of trees and plants all around them. And one of the things I talk about in the book is that, yeah, this is like the biological mother tree in a forest, but like each and every one of us has mother trees. Mm -hmm. And if you can think about like that tree, that's been a special tree for you. I don't know about you, but I have, I have special one. trees I have my everywhere. Trees. I go. Oh my God, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's your mother tree. Like that tree, not only does it feel special to you, you are special to that tree. The Mm -hmm. fact that you feel that relationship, just so you know, like you're feeling it from your side, but the reason you're feeling it is because the tree is feeling it too. Mm -hmm. They are, trees are like such powerful energy workers, which is why sitting by a tree is so powerful. Even looking out your window when stressed and looking at a tree can have Mm -hmm. such an impact on your nervous system amazing energy workers. And so what I share in one of the first exercises in the connection part is like a guided meditation to connect in with the energy of your mother tree and receive its nutrition for you, which is going to be some form of wisdom, some form of guidance. So even things as simple as that, of like being aware of what is your mother tree, what does it have for you today makes a huge impact.
1: That's so beautiful. I love that so much. And I love knowing that and, and being able to carry that piece through. And yeah, the part about trees and just being so healing, like one of just a little, I'm going to say a little silly practice, but so powerful that, you know, we do just that I share with people that I love is just like, as much as I can throughout the day, I just try to look at trees or like the furthest piece of nature and you just breathe in and you immediately feel so much better. Like I I was given a challenge once to do that as many times as I could possibly remember. It shifts so much.
0: Have you heard of the term biophilia before? Uh, No. Okay. So there was a biologist. I think he studied ants actually out of Harvard. His name is Dr. E. O. Wilson. And in the I want to say the 1980s, he wrote this book called The Biophilia Hypothesis. And basically what he posits is that humans are biologically predetermined to have a love for other species. Biophilia, bio is life, philia is love, and we through our cells, our cells were actually because we evolved in nature with plants and trees and other organisms from a cellular level, we are predetermined to have a love and affinity for other species, which if you think about why humans like to domesticate animals and have pets and like yeah. bring plants in and, you know, like yeah. this is part of our innate love for life. And what I think about when I think about the biophilia hypothesis is that if we have this like cellular Attraction, love for life, when we surround ourselves with other types of life, plant life, animal life, wouldn't it make sense that our biology, our physical bodies are functioning better? Right? Because that's how we evolved. Mm -hmm. And wouldn't it make sense that if we remove ourselves from this love of life, from this affinity and relationship with other species, that we are not allowing ourselves to function as best as they can? Right? Mm -hmm. So when we think about human health and exposure to nature, I don't think most, like, I think it's kind of like a no duh kind of thing where you're like, if you give yourself exposure to nature, you will be healthier. I mean, of course it's going to vary depending on what's in the nature around yeah, it you and yeah.
1: it's so interesting i've been doing a lot of just like reading and studying around like grounding and yeah. clint Ober, who did that he wrote the book earthing but it's like duh but then also like we don't think about it right it's yep. like when we put our feet on the ground it neutralizes us it grounds us it's so healing and And then we can obviously just stepping on the earth. It's not going to like heal us completely and solve all of our problems, but it's this idea that if you think about it, you know, this is like Clint Ober's work is that we're disconnected from the ground. We wear rubber shoes. If you think about people who like live in New York city, like you could go a really long time without ever touching the ground Mm -hmm. and you're like, okay, well, whatever, you know, like we can still get by and we can still get healthy, be healthy. But if you would just imagine, this is how I think, like if we took animals and put them in rubber shoes and stuck them in an apartment building, we would know that they would probably be less healthy. And it's just so interesting because we've, yeah, like we have evolved to this place where we really can be disconnected from earth and disconnected from nature. But with that biophilia, we we still have this pull to it it, it's fascinating like where we are now in the world because i it sounds like you know i don't think we'll ever be fully disconnected but like
0: i have an interesting (laughs) i have an interesting (laughs) standpoint on all of that yeah Yeah. so i love everything that's coming out with grounding and earthing and like the kind of science behind it from an energy medicine perspective though grounding Mm -hmm. doesn't even require bare feet on the earth Yeah, grounding is literally just opening yourself up to receive the energy of nature
1: it's funny I did a lot of yeah healing touch and energy medicine and that was like how I got my start and like yeah I've been every night when I go to bed or like all throughout the day you know when you do energy work you breathe in roots on the ground you disconnect like it's like a yeah. Like you don't really have to go outside. So that's, yeah, I
0: love yeah, that. yeah. And a lot of, I actually have a lot of clients who live in New York city, who I'm literally teaching them how to ground from like 13 stories up. Right. I ground from airplanes all the time. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to like human disconnection from nature, it's one of those things that we're, we're actually not disconnected from nature because we are yeah. nature. Yeah. We cannot disconnect from that, which we are, but our perception our perception mm-hmm. we have disconnected from. And yeah. as we know, the perception is what actually creates our reality. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know? Yeah. But what's kind of exciting about that is this recognition that, wait a second, we're not disconnected from nature. We never have been because we are nature. But the reason that I don't feel good is because I'm not letting myself be nature. <laughs> <You Yeah. know? laughs> I'm not so giving good. myself an opportunity mm-hmm. to actually be nature. Be in that place of awe and receptivity. Give myself times of dormancy along with productivity, right? Like live seasonally, even get out in the sun, like open, like what you were expressing before, like when you shared about just how you, when you first started out and what you do with your clients is like, just look at a tree, open to it. Like literally that's what -hmm. I think is the most important thing for everyone who's just starting to remember their nature, their infinite nature,
1: Uh, and that
0: we are literally living on a battery pack for ourselves here on earth at all times. One of the things I love about doing energy work and energy medicine is this recognition that even while there's so much happening in this world that we don't want, right, even while we can look at what's happening from the, like, human society standpoint of what's happening in our world and be like, that is majorly fucked. Like, we are doing something wrong here. Like, obviously, this is not how we want it to be. From an energy standpoint, we can still look at that and be like, and still, the dominant flow of energy to all of us here on Earth is still unconditional life force it's still prana it's still there and one of the things i was really struggling with when i was dealing with a lot of eco anxiety and ecophobia was this sense of like i can't i can't let nature in the way i want to you know like when we think about human health and nature it's really about the nervous system i mean everything comes back to the nervous system honestly right but what you're describing like being able to look at a tree and really look at it and feel yourself kind of settle what happens is when we ex- give ourselves true exposure to nature is we're really helping move the body from a sympathetic response more of the stress response of and again we we all need sympathetic and parasympathetic we we need both we need to be able to go back and forth between both there's not one that's better than the other but what happens in most modern societies we get really kind of caught in the sympathetic side of our nervous system of do 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 fight or flight stress and it's harder for many of us to actually go into the parasympathetic of rest and digest. Yeah, that's and like that's what, whole, that's Yeah, in fact,
1: what, yeah, a lot what happens
0: that. is we get like so fight or flight and then we burn out and we go into the parasympathetic and we can't get out of the parasympathetic. So that's burnout, that's depression, that's overwhelm, right? Mm-hmm. Like, So we want to create a nervous system that can fluctuate between both. And nature helps us do that, of course. Mm-hmm. So what happens with most of us is when we have an opportunity to look out the window, look at a tree, take a deeper breath, it just naturally helps the body acclimate between the sympathetic to the parasympathetic. And so one of the ways nature and plants in particular really help us is help us get back into the parasympathetic. Some plants can help us get back into the sympathetic if we've been too much in parasympathetic, but for the most part, it's really helping us balance out. The nervous system and really help us get back to a place of restoration and digestion from a place of high stress in particular
1: it's interesting i love the way that you you're talking about it because to me like it's like this ratio of if if we're completely right like if we live on the land and we we Uh are forced to be not forced, but like, you know, if you're like picking your, what you're eating for dinner and you're on the ground and you're like, you might not have to think so much about the energy of it, but it's like our adapting to the perception piece of, you know, when we're not fully in it physically, like in grass or something like that, it's just having a different relationship to how we're in nature. So that's so, so beautiful. I've like totally thought about this before and I've never thought about it enough to put words behind it in the way that you did is it's so true right it's like we can ground we can ground from an airplane I always do like the pink yep. crystal in the middle of the earth when I'm on an airplane so it's like we have access to that all the time and I just so echo what you're saying about the nervous system piece and I it sounds like it's a big part of your work it's a big part of my work too I think one of the yeah best things we can do for ourselves is learn how to flow through the states in a way that yeah. works for us and feels good. And
0: yes.
1: so much access to that. Like there's so many tools. So I I love that that's a big part of yeah. your work.
0: Yeah. It's actually so important. In fact, the some of the first self-care practices I share in self-care for eco-anxiety are about the nervous system. So in the connecting part of the book, the first practice is like Connect with nature before you get on a screen in the morning. But then the following practices right after that are how can we use nature to help us move through the fight response, the flight response, the fawn response, and the freeze response? Because the thing, it's so, why I think, why I feel like it's so important is because this is what happened for me, which was that when I was in the place of pretty acute eco anxiety, I would be in a gorgeous place Mm
1: -hmm. and I would look
0: around and be like, wow, it's so beautiful. And then my brain would be like, oh, in five years, this is all going to be dead. Or like, look at the top of the ocean, so beautiful. And then go underneath, oh, it's covered in, in trash at the bottom. You know what I mean? Like, I couldn't let it be. Like, I was constantly looking for the wound, for the for the for how bad everything was. So what was once my reprieve and part of my medicine for my nervous system was actually becoming another trigger into more anxiety, into more
1: fear oh, and,
0: like, negativity. And... That's where the plants really came in. And like having a creative relationship with the plants shifted that completely for me and helped me realize I can look at world through this kind of like glass half full, everything sucks, we're killing everything mentality. And I'm sure if I did that, I could find truth in it. But I can also choose to look at the world through the glasses half full and recognize that prana is still flowing everywhere there's so much beauty there's so much interconnectivity there's so many people who are actively trying to make things better like yes and right like we have a choice we have a choice here and so what self-care for eco-anxiety is really about is like helping us make the choice to believe to have hope and believe that we can solve this and Make that choice first and foremost through ourselves, through our own action, through our own relationship to self and to the world, our world right around us. And my big thing is, like, I connect people with nature, but I'm not taking people off-grid camping. I mean, listen, if you have time to get up off-grid, go camping, all the power to you. Love it. But I'm the person who's like, learn how to connect with the dandelion that's growing out of the sidewalk in front of your house. Mm -hmm. Learn how to connect with the trees. Like, we are literally – Nature, it's everywhere around us. We don't, if we believe that we have to leave our home, leave society, leave our communities in order to reconnect, we're actually doing ourselves a disservice. We're creating a limiting belief around our connection to nature when nature is literally everywhere, everywhere. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite things now is to connect, like just through energy and guided meditation, to connect in with the energy of the mycelium network itself, Mm -hmm. which is literally the energy of oneness. You know, I know a lot of people like to go upwards for that, which I go upwards for it too. But I'm a very, in fact, my tagline for my business is spirituality brought back down to earth. Yeah. Because I think there's so many people who go into spiritual spaces and it's all like trying to ascend off of earth out of this earthly body. But like we, I believe we chose that. Like we choose our mm-hmm. lifetime iterator. Like I chose to be a human on earth. I don't want, it's not about ascending out of this. It's about bringing the divine into this, right? So for me, I really liked, I always connect to earth before I connect upwards. Always, always.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so beautiful. I feel yeah. so much resonance. I'm like, this is why we've connected and we've vibed because I'm like just echoing everything you say. And, and now I'm so curious to look at research, I'm not going to say anything after this because maybe it already exists or maybe (laughs) like the research of uh, what our body's doing when we're just grounding energetically versus actually touching the earth. And I'm sure it's the same thing, but maybe that's your next book.
0: Gosh, if you find anything on that, I would love to see it because I haven't, you know, I haven't strapped on any electrodes or anything. to (laughs) I wouldn't even know how to like create that experiment, but I'm sure somebody does. But I... I like I'm constantly working people through grounding energetically. And what I find most people do, like I find that most people, especially people who are already kind of tapping into meditation or some energy stuff, like they're really good at kind of extending their roots down and pulling up. But what most people do is when they like they breathe in earth energy. And a lot of them then shoot that earth energy up through the crown, up out of them as they Mm -hmm. exhale. So what most people do is they take in the earth energy, but they don't maintain it. They don't hold it in their body. They Mm -hmm. shoot it out the crown to either kind of like make this kind of bridge between earth and heaven, which is a really beautiful thing. And anytime we're practicing Reiki or energy work, that's kind of what we're doing is we're kind of pulling Mm -hmm. from earth and heaven simultaneously and moving that through us. But when you're wanting to work on grounding for your own energy maintenance, you want to pull up that earth energy and then you want to exhale and let that earth energy stay in your body. So I find most people without that knowledge shoot it out their head or with every exhale, they just release it. Wow. So it's not maintaining. So one of the first things I do when I work with clients is teach them what does it feel like to inhale the earth energy and exhale to receive the earth energy too.
1: Yeah, so yeah. beautiful. That's such a good such a good piece, right? So for anybody who's doing that to go, okay, what am I doing with earth energy? And Raquel, I just like, I love you more than I thought I possibly could. You were so brilliant. I just, everything that you said, I'm like just buzzing and it's so, so amazing. And just your message is just so in alignment with what we do over here and your unique, beautiful, like Incredible way. So, thank you so, so much for coming on here. I am just feel so grateful to know you. And I would love for you to share with anybody listening. And we'll have your books and things, we'll put it all in the show notes. But just, you know, let people know if they're interested and probably wanting to hear more about you and connect with you. What's yeah. in the world?
0: Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the show, Jaden. I would like, I want to like keep talking to you for like three hours. So we're going to have to find some time to like meet off screen and just have some fun and pick some flowers and just. Yes. Like just to have fun and nature together. Okay. So where can people find me? You can find me on my website, rinfinitenature.co. You can also find me, I'm probably most active on Instagram. You can find me on Instagram at Raquel. I'm on TikTok as well. I used to be like an everyday poster and I'm just not anymore. Although I am pretty active on stories, but I'm just like, I'm sick of the whole social media, like, treating us like we're they're monkeys, and I'm like, no, I'm not your monkey. I'll do Good it when you. I feel like it. <laughs> yeah. <Good for> you. <laughs> Just, <laughs> if you enjoy working with the moon i highly subscribe you head over to my website and subscribe for my moon blog so i share about the moon energies for every new moon and full moon and i write it out as a moon blog and then if you subscribe you'll get a little newsletter or i call it moon letter that lets you know that the blog is ready i also have a youtube channel where i kind of share the moon energy just me kind of talking to the screen so if you prefer to watch as opposed to read you can always check me out on youtube there as well Yeah. And my books, you can find my books on my website. You can also find them on Amazon pre-orders for self-care for eco anxiety just started. And this book will be launching April 9th. And I will have some local events here in San Diego for that as well. So I'm sure I'll share more when we get closer.
1: Yeah beautiful. Oh my gosh, well thank you so so much and for everybody listening, just thank you for being here with us. I hope you got so much out of this conversation and if there's parts that are landing for you or you're like, "Oh my god, like yes or whatever is coming through for you, the best way to share for Raquel and I both to see it is if you just share this episode directly on your Instagram stories and tag both of us. We'll see it. So if you feel like sharing and um continuing the conversation away from the podcast, we would love to hear from you. And thank you so much for being here with us and see you next time. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you love this episode, please share on Instagram and tag me. I can guarantee it will make my day to hear from you. If you want to stay in the loop for future episodes, make sure to subscribe And as always, if this episode made you think of someone you love or you know someone who would benefit from listening, please send it their way. You never know how you can impact someone's life. Until next time.